Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine Remembered with Robert Martin, Nasser Mashni and Yusuf Ahmed Rimawi. like to welcome our listeners on the AM dial and those who will join us later on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts. In this week's episode, we will be talking about the nomination of BDS for the Nobel Peace Prize. For this and more, Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, Nasser and Robert. Yusuf, Robert. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Yusuf, before we start, we should. We do get messages of thanks and congratulations from our listeners all the time. How great is that? But, you know... We get text messages, but this is the first message we've had from Sulphur, Louisiana. So Jeff, who listens to us from uh, on the podcast on 3cr.org.au, Jeff sent us a great note and uh, expressing his appreciation for this program, loves the format, very informative, and he thinks you guys are awesome, especially NASA. No, actually, uh, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, we had to add Nasser's name there because yeah, obviously it was only Yusuf and Robert. So. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Enjoy, I hope you enjoy this one too. So, what do we have this week, well, uh, Nasser? Well, this week we're going to talk about you know the extrajudicial killings uh, of some Palestinians this year. Mm. Um, we're going to talk about BDS, uh, and we've got a surprise uh, from yourself, Yusuf. But why don't we start off with our um, with the extrajudicial killings? We had um, yeah the story of Ahmed Jarrar and yeah. Ahmed Jarrar. That's right. Ahmed uh, Nasser Jarad, he was killed yesterday. And what makes yesterday's killing so much worse, A, they've been trying to get him for a, a month now, the best part of a month. They killed his cousin with the same name, mm. just because that's what you do when, you, when you're a democracy and that's what Israel does. They trapped the proper, the, the Ahmed uh, Jarad that they were after in a building. They dropped a missile on the, on, on the house. And this is called, you know, um, uh, pressure tactics. Now, when he didn't come out, um, when he didn't come out, they brought in a, an armoured bulldozer mm. and started to knock walls down in the house. And this, mm. the actual term for this Israeli government or army calls it the pressure cooker technique. Mm. So they knock rooms down until you're trapped in one room. Mm. And they keep moving him to the front door. And once he was at the front door and that room was starting to fall down, he came out. Mm. Now, at that point, the building is surrounded by you know fully equipped uh, army soldiers in occupied Palestine, in the West Bank. Mm. There's no escape. No escape. At that point, they can arrest him. Mm, they could have. They can uh, immobilize him. They could shoot him in the leg. Instead, they unloaded magazines and murdered him. They and wanted him dead. They wanted him. This is an extrajudicial killing. And, and, and the thing about it is that, you know, Israel 
claims to be this wonderful democracy. You know, our Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull lauded Israel for being like Australia, mm. rule of law, and we respect the uh, separation between church and state, and we have a Supreme Court, and it's, you know, anybody, regardless of religion, can vote. We, you, you can't. In Israel, if you celebrate God on Friday or Sunday, you are not the same as somebody who celebrates on Saturday. You belong to the wrong type of people. The wrong type of people. And this is what Norda last week discussed, as yeah. a Palestinian uh, living there, so that lives mm. in Australia now. So. And, th- and then you go, okay, well... Surely there should be some condemnation, you know, in a democracy, whether it's, you know, in Australia, we've got the Greens condemning, you know, Brigadier General Nolan for some uh, retweets, retweets and videos, Facebook shares, you know, and then, you know, his his party leader defending him, saying he's a good guy. In a a robust democracy, you expect that sort of stuff, Mm. but not in Israel. Mm. From President Rivlin down to Prime Minister Netanyahu to Foreign Minister Liebman, I mean, the sort of comments... That they have. I mean, here's Rivlin. He's the president of Israel. I have no doubt that the murderer and his collaborators will be pursued until we reach them all. And Netanyahu says, you know, we're going to attack anyone and bring everyone to justice. And this applies to all our murderers. It is clear that it's only a matter of time until we hit the head of everyone. This is Lieberman. I mean, the, celebrating the, death. Celebrating death. Arrest the guy, hmm. put him on trial. Hmm. If he's found guilty, Give him life imprisonment. That's what a a democracy does. Any other country wants to find out why they did it, who did it, who were their collaborators, and and all of that. But being a Palestinian, they don't want to kill them. We have here two questions. First, is extrajudicial execution or killing new to Israel? And the answer is no. No. And the second question, what has the international community done or the international law or or, or countries like Australia uh, did for uh, or or about that, well, the answer is nothing. All they've done is continue to reward Israel mm. for for the blockade in Gaza. The fifty first year now we're in the fifty first year of the occupation of the West Bank and East Jerusalem and Gaza. Mm. I mean, we, it, they just get away with anything. But the problem is that uh, all Palestinians are labelled terrorists. Every time we hear anything on the news, it's oh, we've killed another terrorist. But unfortunately, kids are labelled as terrorists as well. And mm. so just for being Palestinian. But the fact that they can kill Palestinians without getting in trouble or anything like that, it's not going to stop them. Uh, also, on the point of Ahmed Jarrar, uh, we want to mention that Ahmed Jarrar is from Mukhayyam Janin, yep. from Janin camp. And when we mention Mukhayyam Janin, we have to really give the salute and to respect the respect of this capital of resistance of, 19, uh, of, of 2002 Two. and yep. the second intifada in general, Mukhayyam Janin. Uh, gave us uh, icons of resistance and Mukhayyam Janin alone, I don't want to say alone, but Mukhayyam Janin was the spearhead Absolutely. against the reinvasion and reoccupation of West Bank. Yep. And uh, when we talk about Mukhayyam Janin, we talk with pride, we talk with full respect, we talk with dignity. And now this spirit of dignity uh, that the Mukhayyam Janin and other camps in Palestine I watch uh, media outlets in Arabic. I watch social media in Palestinian pages. And people are saying that we miss this type of uh, uh, reminders of dignity. And uh, I just wanted to say that uh, all respect to the people of Mukhayyam Janin and the people. Uh, well, all of the Palestinians in their steadfastness, but particularly. Particularly the spearhead. Yeah, and also the second point I want to, end, uh, I want to say before we end this uh, point is that 
uh, we say uh, we, we can say a lot about the polarization, political polarization. But the story of Ahmed Jarrar and Ahmed Jarrar was a reminder that factionism disappears when it comes to the resistance. The, to resistance. His cousin was from Fatah. The other guy who was killed, uh, Ahmed, the, the real Ahmed, uh, mm-hmm. was from Hamas. But that didn't matter at all, and they were both targeted for being Palestinian and I think this is the right time that we should say stop for factionism and we go back to everything that unites us. Just just before we leave this too, there's four kids have been killed this year as well, Palestinian yeah, yeah. kids, which is something that isn't rare and it's a, a reasonable, I mean it happens a lot, yeah. uh, and some of these kids were at protest, trying to protest for their rights of having their own land. On top of the hundreds of kids that are arrested, you know. Into, yeah, five I mean, to seven hundred a year. So, I mean, it's just a very, very sad state of affairs. Just as we close on Janine, I remember, you know, my late father, we were in a, a coffee shop in, in Sydney, and the guy serving us uh, was obviously Arabic, and Dad could tell from somebody's accent where they were from the Arab world. Yeah. And he, he went, you know, you're, very knowledgeable you're, you're, about, you're yeah. obviously Palestinian, and you're from, you know, uh, this, particular. Th- this particular area. Whereabouts are you from? And he said, Janine. And my dad said, you never say Janine. You say Janine Arena Lusud, the lion's lair. Yes. The lion's lair. So Indeed. We, beautiful. We, we, Indeed. Don't, uh, we don't ever forget the strength that comes from Janine Camp. But so, moving on, we are very, very uh, pleased to um, announce that the Norwegian MP and leader of the Red Party, Bjorn Moxness, has nominated the BDS movement, Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions Movements, uh, for the 2018 Nobel Peace Prize. And uh, so Bjorn knows his stuff by the sounds of it. He he's knows a good his human stuff. being. And he's a goodie. And, and this is a quote he said, We nominated the BDS movement for the Nobel Peace Prize well aware that this is, perfect, this is a perfectly legitimate nomination of a perfectly legitimate movement that fights for a legitimate cause, that of the Palestinians, with legitimate peaceful means, and this will meet some resistance, typically in the form of smearing campaigns and the like. In the face of that kind of opposition, the challenge is to stay focused on the main cause, freedom for the Palestinians, and to stay focused on what we see as a humble contribution to that cause and attempt to start a positive international campaign in favour of awarding the peace prize to the BDS movement. That's fantastic. That is amazing. And in fact, it's amazing to us because we are Palestinian or pro-Palestinian camp, but it's also, it has a significance uh, when it comes to, let's detach ourselves from uh, from there. Now, Israel is trying to incriminate the word BDS and to make it illegal mm-hmm. to support BDS, We're not not in Israel, but in America and Canada and probably one day in they'll Australia. Start, they'll start here soon. Uh, uh, so to move from there, not to neutrality, but also to to rewarding it as uh, hopefully they will make it. I mean, uh, uh, to be honest with you, I know there are a long list of barriers for them to make it uh, towards the finals. However, the nomination itself might be enough, it might be a big slap to the face of Israelis that yeah. this, what, what you want to incriminate is in fact an honor. Yep. For, for those people that don't know, it's boycott, BTS is Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions, which is simply something to do to try and have... Israel adhere to international law. Yeah. That's basically it, and people are calling it anti-Semitic. I mean, mm. please, just yeah. adhere well, to the international laws, human rights according laws. According to Israel, criticizing Israel politically should be considered anti-Semitism. Now, to what extent the world will listen, this is the question. We say, no, it's not, because there are Jewish BDS supporters 
uh, and there are some of them are actual Israeli BDS supporters. But we don't want to dig deep in there. We let's talk about the morality of BDS as a response, as a non-violence it's response, non-violent. as a non, and, and it came in a time of paralysis in political horizons and uh, in in any form of solution to the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. So the Palestinian civil society said enough, enough. So they issued this call and they asked the international community to stop having trade dealings with Israel in response to what Israel does to the Palestinians, to the civilian Palestinians, by maintaining and sustaining the occupation, by maintaining and sustaining the um, uh, the siege of Gaza, and also by continuing to prevent the majority of the Palestinian population to return to where yeah. they are from, including their myself. legitimate rights. Yeah. Uh, so a, a Jew can claim uh, refugee status from over two thousand years ago, but a Palestinian seventy-year-old claim and their title and deeds to their homes, the keys to the front door. Don't count. I'll deny it, yeah. But exactly what you were saying, Yusuf, the, 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 there is a disconnect in um, uh, in Norway as there is in Australia between the government and the population. As we know, in APAN, we did a, uh, we've been doing a number of surveys of the populace. There is a movement within Australia that accepts the right of Palestinians to, to statehood or to uh, independence, but also to BDS and America. Yeah, 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 to BDS. And, and Moxner says, he says, you know, the current Norwegian government is closely allied to the U.S. and it seems more eager to please the U.S. and its ally in Tel Aviv than to uphold a principled stance on international law and human rights. Mm. And he explains that the support Israel gets on a governmental level is not replicated across Norwegian society, pointing to the Norwegian Confederation of Trade Unions, which is a massive player in Norwegian politics, by the way. They firmly support the Palestinian cause and voted in favor of implementing full BDS in December, only a couple of months ago. Mm. So there's a disconnect between, you know, the, the rulers, i.e. Um, the, uh, the government, Netanyahu, etc., and the populace of Norway. And that's going everywhere to the point where, where we go through to, to the states. And as we know, over 20 states in the United States of America, that Trump's United States of America, they've passed legislation, anti-BDS legislation. Mm. In the state of New Jersey has anti-BDS legislation. And, and the Zionists aren't content with having it at a state level. They've gone down to the council level. And one council um, in New Jersey, um, some Palestinian, pro-Palestinian advocates, found out that their local municipality was going to pass anti-BDS legislation. And they rallied and you know got a petition together and went along to the town hall meeting and debated. And the council actually said, you're right, we're not going to pass this resolution and threw it out. So it's a, it's a win for BDS in that when presented with the facts in an open and democratic situation, the right of a human being to choose not to buy a product, to mm. choose to sell shares in a company that uh, is complicit in the murder, deprivation of human rights of uh, innocent civilians and Palestinians, that this is your constitutional right to do that. Um, and that follows on from there to a story in Kansas where it, uh, a teacher, well, in fact, she's a... Um, a facilitator for teachers, and she delivers education programs in Kansas. She was asked to sign, as a condition of her uh, engagement by the city of Kansas, a form to say that she would never boycott Israel. And mm. she said, well... As a prerequisite to as employment. A, as a prerequisite to getting an opportunity to tender that, for a government contract. That is terrible. Well, she took them to court, and um, last month a federal judge in Kansas ruled it unconstitutional, and so they... Uh, it was thrown out so she could actually mm. didn't have to sign the form and could 
you know, be awarded the contract. So, Well, last Friday, I remember a friend of mine, an Australian lawyer, uh, calling me angry as she was listening to uh, uh, the morning radio with John Fain. <laughs> that, that happens a bit. And well, yeah, uh, Kroger, Kroger, went, Kroger went to town. She, 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 she was so angry when, when she heard uh, a Labour MP accusing a Green MP of being anti-Semite for supporting BDS. And that, that person is a non-Palestinian, mm-hmm. the listener, and she was so furious. How dare he can say this? This To accuse somebody on national radio of anti-Semitism is a black and a black and white uh, 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 defamation and for just supporting a just cause uh, or a, a right means uh, like the BDS. Well, that, that, that interview, and people can go to um, the uh, 774 website uh, and the ABC website and see it. In fact, what had happened, John Fain had interviewed Michael Kroger, the mm. uh, president of the Victorian Labor Party, mm. and they said, we, he said, we're going to check out who the Greens candidate is because Batman has been held by Labor for, for yonks. Mm. On a state level, Batman or that area was lost to the Greens. Mm. The Labor lost that to the Greens. And David Feeney, who's you know a despicable uh, um, Zionist and also just a terrible politician and a dual citizen, you know, he's, he's resigned from Parliament. He, he takes all the boxes. He takes all the boxes. Dual citizen to Israel? No, no. <laughs> probably. Um, he... Um, uh, he so the Greens candidate Alex Bethal, she's a fabulous woman and it would make a fantastic representative to the, the constituency of Batman. But Kroger said we're going to check out whether she's an anti-Semite if she supports BDS, the terrible mm. equating uh, equating supporting BDS with anti-Semitism. And he said if she is one of those people and like Lee Rhiannon, you know that sort of terrible anti-Semitic type person, mm. then we will run a candidate against her and then preference labor that you know on a on a mm. on a purely domestic politics How whether the adani mine matters How whether arrogant. power can uh, you know whether uh, p- customers are paying right prices for power whether power's going to get disconnected what's happening with our energy kid um, trains schooling hospitals all the things that matter to australians the state president of the liberal party saying we're going to work out whether the greens if we define that person as an anti-semite we're going to run a liberal candidate Using liberal funds to uh, so that to we can get votes, yeah. so that we can preference labour, so that labour person can get up rather than have uh, mm. uh, an. So that's disgusting. So the whole political rivalry is. is reduced to the point of Israel, of Israel slash Palestine. Yep. And if you are a supporter of Israel, so many doors are open. If you, God forbid, are a politician and a supporter of Palestine, the best you can get is a little bit of. Uh, um, support from the, your community, and that's it. Anyway, um, you're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine Remembered with uh, Nasser, Robert, and Yusuf. And uh, we have about uh, 10 minutes uh, towards the end of the program. And Nasser, what a wonderful event was on Friday with Roger. Well, it was fantastic. And we've really got to thank, you know, international superstar, former uh, singer with the Pink Floyd, Roger Waters, for his evening. Mm. For the presentation he did yesterday to a packed house, we'll have more details and some definitely uh, some uh, more, more um, excerpts from the from the speak uh, next week. But people can go to the APAN Facebook page and watch 
the um, the video that we taped yesterday. And it was mm. Anthony Lowenstein and Randa Abdel Fattah. Yeah, fantastic! It was really yeah. really good and a wonderful MC as well. Yeah, he was. He looked very similar to you. <laughs> hey uh, Yusuf, I uh, I read an article that uh, was in the Palestine, Palestinian newspapers in Arabic. It was in Arabic, yes, obviously. So yes. I was a little bit sketchy, but I. Um, was very very impressed. Now, can you tell us about your wonderful idea? Thank you. Uh, well, it was uh, um, amazing to see uh, my words uh, in Palestinian newspaper uh, on so many levels that they made return before I did to Palestine, especially in Al Quds newspaper, uh, the Palestine's first uh, newspaper. And uh, this is my second article, uh, I uh, in which I called for the incrimination of Nakba denial in Palestine, then in some Arab countries, to put some barriers of entry, legal barriers of entry, to what I can see where the Arab-Israeli relations are going towards more normalization. Mm -hmm. So uh, the idea started uh, from um, similar uh, laws incriminating uh, denial of Holocaust, and rightly so, in uh, Israel and 16 European countries. And in Australia, denial of Holocaust can be persecuted as a hate crime or vilification. Uh, In other European countries, the denial of the Armenian genocide is illegal. In France, it's against the law to to publicly on your Facebook or Twitter account deny the Armenian genocide, and it's rightly so, again. Mm -hmm. uh, So you could spend a year in prison and pay three uh, and pay uh, 37,000 euros as, 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 as a punishment for publicly denying the Armenian genocide. There are similar cases in Italy where it is against the Italian laws to glorify Mussolini and to, to, to glorify the fascism, the fascist yeah. party. And now as we speak, the democratic Italian party wants to pass another bill to tighten these laws to make it illegal for football fans to give the Mussolini salute in mm. uh, in, uh, in stadiums yeah. and to make it illegal. And again, uh, why do we need something like this in the Arab world? Well, there are different um, different takes to this, uh, but I limited it to the context of, uh, in my article, uh, the context of normalization. And normalization, mm. when you make something not normal, like occupation, normal. It's, there's nothing normal about mm. sustaining op- occupation for more than 50 years. And, um, but more than that, Yusuf, it, what, what you were talking about normalization. You know, we had the situation now where Air India now mm. can fly from Mumbai to Tel Aviv over, yeah, yeah, yeah. over Saudi Arabia. Yeah, so it's getting. So what, 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 what does the, the, you know, the Saudi government or the prince or the king or whomever need to do? They need to, you know, start easing the Arab street and their expectation of liberty for the yeah, Palestinians. Yeah. And so subtle stuff happens, like, you know, maybe the Palestinians didn't get thrown out. Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. they sold their house. Absolutely. Maybe they chose to leave, you know, they thought things would be better for them in Lebanon. And mm. and this is the sort of Nakba denial we're talking about. And it's a systematic and gradual process, and it's happening in different Arab countries. And, uh, and unfortunately, we don't have the luxury of time and resources to increase awareness in the Arab world because we don't need we don't have access to the population and yes we have the social media but you don't have the exposure but and and we need uh, something like a barrier entry a barrier of entry you need something like a legal uh, uh, barrier 
towards publicly saying that the Palestinians were not the victims of Nakba. And in fact, to say that Nakba in general, Nakba in general is a very broad term. Mm-hmm. So for that, you, uh, uh, I, uh, you have to give Nakba a precise definition. And all historians agree that Nakba has two pillars. First, the success of the Zionist move- movement to control by force 78% of the historical Palestine, and B, the expulsion of up to 900,000 Palestinians, two-thirds of the Palestinian society, uh, forceful expulsion and, uh, and of, of these two-thirds of the <coughs> Palestinian population. Uh, so uh, to say that the Palestinians sold their lands, this will uh, attack the second pillar of the definition. And uh, for that to happen, of course, I don't want to claim expertise in, in, in areas like law, but my suggestion is that the Palestinian Palestine should issue these laws first because we can't expect the Arab to have a higher standard uh, than than us. So we we should be the first to incriminate the denial of Nakba in Palestine. And then this is something we can ask <clears throat> some of the Arab uh, parliaments. And I would say Algeria, uh, maybe Lebanon, maybe Kuwait, and maybe a few other parliaments m- uh, are likely to support uh, a call like this if it was endorsed by Palestinian diplomacy. So God knows where it leads. So that was the, uh, the story of the, uh, uh, of, of the article, uh, which was uh, uh, titled in Arabic, Tajrimu Inkari Al-Nakbati Al-Falastiniya. Uh, I was disappointed that I didn't have your picture in it as well. I gave them a picture with a good pause, something like, you know. <laughs> with, with the new hair. I think oh, this will be the third the week in a row that we've spoken about his hair. He, he, we had the thinker, Rodan's yeah. thinker. Um, <laughs> so maybe the next article. Yeah. So the, the reality, Yusuf, and we shouldn't downplay the, the, the importance of your article. In fact, you know, thought leaders, and, and I, I certainly think you're one of those, Yusuf, we need to have that sort of stuff so we can create the conversation because we can't ask the Jordanians to uh, punish a Jordanian for suggesting that Palestinians left Palestine or uh, an Egyptian or a Syrian or a Lebanese or an, a Kuwaiti and Omani, mm. uh, uh, etc. if we don't do it ourselves internally first. And so sure. yeah. it's up to the, the, the PA and the PNC and the PLO and the whole, you know, Judiciary, etc., to create those mm. laws, mm. so that we can then take that as a um, as a set of legislation and take it to the Egyptian Parliament and say we expect you to pass the exact same law. Yeah, and in fact, I was very happy to have received uh, messages from lawyers from Palestine who said we are we like the idea and we're happy to work on it legally and to start something that might yeah. lead to something from a purely well. The discussion legal. has to be had, and it, from there, the legislation can be written and then it mm. can be you know voted upon and entered and, into and law. This is in no way a call of, no, of of limiting freedom of speech because people no, no. can say what they want, yeah. but it's actually you know. Uh, you know, you and I can talk a lot about you know what, what, what our grandparents had mm-hmm. seen in '48, and in my article, I shared uh, a letter that I received uh, from a friend who lives uh, now in Italy. Uh, the letter was written three weeks after Nakba. And it was written by a mother, a widow, who, who was 19, uh, widow. She was written to her father, unknown address, saying that if you find my father, give him this letter. And she described the horrible situation in the three weeks exactly after Nakba. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I talk about it with, with difficulty uh, and to hold my emotions because what she said about, you know, the fact that she cannot 
she can no longer feed her her uh, two daughters because Ijzim, the other uh, village, has fallen and the people of Ijzim used to give them eggs and bread. And she said also to her uh, to her parents that uh, I couldn't go back to the farm of Tantura to uh, dig for the gold and money we buried before we leave. And, you know, other things. I, 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 you know, aside from losing her husband as well. Aside from losing her husband in the massacre of Tantura. So this is just a, a tiny example of a big ocean that's called the Palestinians. Of, and, uh, and to go through all that and then be labeled a terrorist. And to be labeled a terrorist. And to be denied the right of crying over that sadness and uh, 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 what's worse than what's worse than uh, uh, sadness is the denial of crying you are not allowed to cry and and we by by negating uh, our right of return and by saying that we sold our land this is what the arabs are telling us that you don't have the right to cry over this because uh, mm. you sold you chose you chose to yeah. and for that in response to that we need to incriminate mm. the denial of absolutely Nakba. i guess uh, um, if there is maybe one final thing you want to share before we end the show we'll just make sure our li- we, you know we really appreciate and love uh, positive feedback so write in um, <clears throat> and we're going to have a live show in a few weeks time so we'll give you advance notice so that we well, you should have given me a notice for yeah, no. <laughs> no, we, we, we didn't want to do that because we know that you may not come. You're in, in, in a few weeks. And I, and I say from the point of view of live, what yes. we want to do is have some uh, a talkback show. So we'll yes. invite our listeners to call in and give us some we'll some of their them, thoughts. We'll tell them beforehand. And we'll give you, we'll give you a Love few weeks notice. But, you know, stay tuned and uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you soon. So uh, until we meet uh, next Saturday, 9.30 in the morning, this is Nasser, Robert and Yusuf wishing you the best of time and salam. Mm-hmm.